0: Welcome to Behind the Smoke Podcast, Barbecue War Stories. This is episode number 50. We are recording yeah, above, really? above the Butcher Shop.
1: Why this don't you tell really, me this, Chef?
0: It? It's breaking news. Jesus Christ. You read the notes I send you?
1: What are we going to do at 52?
0: <laughs> That's a good question.
1: Wow, I didn't think
0: about yeah, that. Yeah, it's been one whole year, of this podcasting journey.
1: Sorry, guys. That's <clears> have uh, boring you guys for a whole year.
0: Yeah, we appreciate those people. We actually have some incredible people that have been following us on our podcasting journey. Um, all the way up to episode 50. This is a business and digital marketing podcast for those of you that are tuning in for the first time uh, as seen through the eyes of barbecue. Uh, Derek over here is owner of Valley Farm Market, butcher shop, 62 years in business in Spring Valley and myself and my wife. And my nine month old soul, my nine month old son. We own Cali Comfort Barbecue. Uh, Colleen owns, the a, owns a barbecue shop. Yeah, he's uh, he's he's putting his first shift, his first bar- bartending don't, shift don't tonight. Don't do it to him. Yeah, don't do it to him. He's a Bulgarian.
1: Let him pick his way.
0: He'll pick his way. Yeah. But uh, the coolest thing about this podcast is it's allowed us to meet new people. It's allowed us to dig deep into things that we care about uh, in life, in business, and one of the biggest things that Derek and I love is learning and learning only happens if you're willing to put yourself out there. Uh, Corey Wagner has been working for us for almost two years now, and he's our producer. He's our marketing manager. He works here, um, as well for, for Derek does an incredible job. Uh, he's been on this podcasting journey with us, but he introduced us to our special guest today, and that is Curtis Jackson of Jackson strength. Uh, Curtis is also starting his own podcast which is very exciting and we're really excited to have him on he's also a hunter and he this guy he actually sent us venison
1: dude great venison we cooked it up today I actually did a, first uh,
0: first guest that sent us mail-ordered uh, meats. mail-ordered meat sent
1: a meat man meat badass I'm not mad about it no. no I haven't had venison probably in god like four months so I was pretty excited to get it we uh seasoned it up a little bit and threw it on the smoker for just a little bit of time just to get the heat rising a little bit turned on the green egg got the flame real high did a reverse here um turned out good man we're, we're excited to turn out
0: incredible it. you did a fantastic job oh, don't fucking bullshit you,
1: thank you thank you limited
0: t- limited time low and slow venison fantastic yeah.
1: no turned out turned out good you know venison's a hard and hard thing to cook and to not dry out so uh we're happy but thank you Curtis, for uh, coming here and, and shooting the shit with us, and uh, we're excited to hear your, your story and what it all entails.
2: Absolutely. Really, really stoked to be here. I'm really glad to finally have some smoked venison. Uh, I've never had it that way before. So, And as you know, as being a hunter, being able to share uh, the bounty, right. you know, that makes it that's that's one of the best best parts about it especially we talk- with your family and yeah friends. we were
1: talking earlier about like the cranberries and stuff and doing that but it's like you get so excited when i get my freezer full <laughs> it's like hey come over come over come over i got a bag for you i got a bag for you i got this this and this mm-hmm. especially if you harvest a moose i mean you got god you can have like 800 pounds of, of meat sometimes and yeah. it's uh it's amazing to be able to share that and then share the journey of how you got it and why it's it is what it is and making sure that you know i'm, I'm a when we talk about hunting, I make sure that I'm a sustainable hunter. I don't, I don't go out besides the damn fucking rabbits outside <laughs> eating my vegetation. I shoot those fuckers, but um I try to eat everything that we, that we kill. So sharing that journey and, you know, letting everyone know that it's not just this malicious, you know, sport. It's actually, there's a lot more. It's a very spiritual thing when you can go out there 14 days in Alaska or, you know, you're in Montana mm-hmm. and um go harvest something. It's a uh, pretty exciting.
2: Yeah. I, uh, you know, that's kind of a big passion of mine is to share that spirituality, as you put it. It is very spiritual. Mm-hmm. And ironically, for for most people, it's hard for them to understand how, as a hunter and how many hunters are, the vast majority of hunters, we love and respect these animals that we are attempting to kill. Mm-hmm. And um, to spend a, a long time in the cold and the snow and the rain, and, and, and most of the time, fairly shitty conditions yeah. to get our food um, a lot of the smiles in those pictures that people see that's just like we just busted our ass to like chase this animal that does not want to be chased that is sniffing us from hundreds of yards away if the wind is wrong and it's just this game and um, we spend a lot of time observing these animals in their in their in their magnificent glory uh, and their beauty. And then, um, you know, uh, so I, you know, I, I think Steve Renella made a great argument. Like we, we actually are more intimate with, with these animals than we care to some degree about these animals more than maybe a vegan who's not eating meat, because of the, their love of animals, because we are actually out there spending a lot of time with them, and we do right. get to know them on a spiritual level, which which makes the actual kill that much more emotional. When you're walking up on a gorgeous animal that you just took its life, and it's like a little bit of it's a little bit of a mourning and a little bit of a lot of respect and a little bit of mourning, and then it dissipates over time. When you do get to this stage, when you get to share it with friends, and it's a novelty for a lot of people that have never tried it. Right. And, and ultimately, putting it in front of your family and, and knowing that what they're eating, you know, yeah. you harvested and, and did a lot of work to get it's very rewarding.
1: Yeah, I know the first time I uh, harvested moose that I was emotional. It was a fourteen hour stalk, and I couldn't get him away from this cow, and I just stalked him, stalked him, and I ended up traveling eight miles <clears throat> trying to get him. And uh, after I got him, I mean, literally couldn't couldn't get him. It was. And this isn't smart, but I stayed out all night by myself under a tree in Alaska, in Alaska. And because I was so far away already, I'm like, well, they're not going to move very much. I should, they should be bed down here soon. I should be able to, to get them in the morning, um, found them in the morning, got the the bowl and it was so emotional. I just came over. I was overwhelmed with just like yeah. just pure emotion yeah, and sure. <clears throat> to go do it. And then to be able to, to quarter it out and do all that and bring it back. And, you know, everyone th- they're like, where have you been? And we were going to put out a search party for you. And uh, I'm like, well, here's where I've been. And mm-hmm. to be able to share that journey with people and yeah. to sit around the campfire and talk about those things. And um, there's, there's nothing, I never felt more alive when <clears throat> than when I'm in Alaska and doing those things it's a uh, it's something that you can kind of decompress and it's very liberating to in this world that we live in where it's just everything's just so it's at the tip of your fingers right? You can yeah. order something from Amazon, you can do these things, but when you're out there, we have no cell service, we have nothing, and it's just you and when we're chopping down wood getting you know food ready and I mean it's just the first few days are, are pretty rough. And then all of a sudden it's just like this, you feel so liberated just being out there and sharing that journey. And, you know, I, I hope that people that are listening can get out there and, and experience that one time. And I think you'll be hooked. You know, it's not this, uh, <clears throat> we're not going out there trying to with machetes and, and bombs and trying to blow things away. It's like the respect that we have for those animals. I had a, a shot at a, um, <clears throat> a moose that I, gauged to be around 74 inches and it was about 350 yards away this is two years ago the same hunt um and uh, it would have been a boot and crockett for sure up in alaska it was that big it's just a ginormous animal and um i couldn't get him to turn and i could i did not want to take a shot and wound him yeah he's just such a majestic animal and i think that's important for people to understand too. It's like, I'm not out there. I mean, I could have taken a shot and probably got him, but it was more important for me to let him have the, the life he deserved. Um, that I knew I couldn't drop him right then because I just couldn't get a broadside shot on him. So letting him go is probably one of the hardest things to ever do. But again, it's that spiritual thing where it's like, Hey, it's it's not there it's not it's not my time to to take him to harvest him so hopefully next year or hopefully i haven't got him yet so hopefully he's still out there uh i can can go get him but it's not this like very malicious crazy thing that we do it's a it's a more of a spiritual thing
2: yeah and that's a great message and one that i really resonate with and there's a lot of you know in any any demographic. There's there's bad people. There's bad doctors. There's bad chiropractors. There's bad garbage men. There's there's just you know, and hunters are no difference. Oh, sure. and, Unfortunately, the the bad lot gets the majority of the press. It's the you know, the giraffe shot in Africa with its head neck draped over that gets the, the the lion's share of the attention. When the vast majority of hunters, you know, will will say the exact same thing that you just said, and right. they'll talk about the, the the journey. They'll talk about the hunt. They'll talk about the campfire afterwards, telling mm-hmm. stories. They talk about the chopping of wood. And what you're basically describing is is, 12, is, is life on Earth twelve thousand years ago. Right. So it's not surprising that you are feeling this way, this energy, this never been never felt more alive when you really tap into what your DNA is. Right. Twelve thousand years ago, we all had the same profession. Right? right. We're all hunters and gatherers. We're just that's just what we did and. 12,000 years is not a lot of time to get away from that DNA in the, in, you know, if you're looking at millions of years of how we have ev- evolution. So, you know, uh, we've come a long way in some Regards, but we've gotten very far away from actually what our true DNA does in a short amount of time, and I think that that's where a lot of people are missing out, and why nature can be so powerful. And and the hunting of your own game and going through that whole process can be very powerful, and it's something I want more people to experience as well. Mm -hmm. Is taking that animal from chase to you know harvesting, gutting, skinning, butchering, packing it up, putting in your freezer, eventually putting it. In front of your friends and family, that whole journey is just really, really emotional and, and pretty cool.
1: It it teaches you respect, and it teaches you how to respect the process. And Sean and I on this podcast talk about just going through the process and sharing the process. It's not always about the end product. So, a lot of times, you know, the beef industry or industries will get a bad rap, and <clears throat> people don't understand they or about hunters like we're, we're such bad people. But it's they're able to go to a grocery store and just pick out any steak they want. They don't think twice about it, but the humane way to do it is more of a a hunter way to do it. And to do it all yourself and respect it and go through the whole process. It's not just going into a meat market and and grabbing a piece of meat. And so what we try to do here in the store, we always try to educate our consumers on the meat that we bring in, you know, because there is a lot of commodity beef out there that's just raised very poorly. And, um, you know, if you're, you know, you, you, People get into these um, antibiotic free, they've never consumed antibiotics or, or hormones. And, you know, the beef industry was getting away with it for a long time where they would put antibiotics in their ears instead of making them eat it. So they can say that it never ate antibiotics. In or their what? Their ear. Oh, their ear? Uh, yeah. And so it would be a pill that they would put in. So it's still getting- Shove hitting. it in their ear? Yep. Kid? <clears throat> yeah. So to dissolve that way. And um, so. Once you kind of for for us we've been with a packing house for for a long time, and I go out there almost every year to to talk to Henry the owner and to see what they're doing and how innovative they are and making sure that it's a it's a range range-fed product. and It's not um, finished on corns and, and stuff like that. So the omega-3s and 6s are still there and how they should be in the CLA and the mono non-saturated fats. And it's really imperative to make sure that we teach our consumers that and that we care so much about it because then they can get a peace of mind that we're, you know, it's it's what's good for their bodies, yeah. and it's not just this commodity product that we're trying to, you know, figure out how we can monetize on it. It's more of the process, it's how we do it, and why we do it, and, and the why, so we can share the why to our consumers. Right.
0: <coughs> yeah, I think one of the one of the coolest things about the podcast it allows us to dig deep into topics that typically we wouldn't really get to talk about. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the things I respect the most about Derek is, you know, he's a very very passionate hunter as well as a fisherman. Um, you know, those are things that we're, we're going to continue to talk about on the podcast, but on, on the same end, you know, my wife, she loves animals, you know, and it's something that's really difficult for her, um, the whole hunting aspect of it, but she comes from Bulgaria. You know, my grandfather's from Bulgaria and one of the things that they do is they live off the land, you know, literally her father will raise a pig and throughout the entire year, the next year for Easter, they slaughter that pig. Hmm eat every single part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's one of the things that we talk about. They came out here. They don't speak any English. It was their first trip. We took them deep sea fishing and it was an incredible <laughs> trip. They were thrown up the whole time. It was kind of a entire <laughs> mess. I mean, I didn't know if I was going to have a wife when I got done with that. Um, but once we got back, he started seeing how they were cleaning the fish and how much waste was going out. Yeah. Um, and he was pretty much appalled at yeah. how much waste we were, you know, that we killed something. Sure. But, tell us a little bit more about your philosophy behind the whole um, hunting and the the entire process
2: um yeah you know I every year I seem to use more and more of the animal uh, it can be quite a daunting uh, at first when you're just you're just trying to get through the process you know you have a lot to learn uh, so like uh, I, I for for a while I've been utilizing uh, all the meat plus the heart and liver which is pretty common for
1: mm-hmm.
2: uh, most people to keep and then last year I branched out into testicles actually <laughs> tried some of those um and then i also kept the call fat which is the thready uh, kind of like fat and you you've uh-huh. obviously seen it being a hunter and what's great about that is you can take uh, it's a net it's like a net of fat yeah it's a great way to explain it you can take something lean like a backstrap, and you can actually wrap it around it mm-hmm. and you can actually cook it and you kind of crisp up that call fat and, and cook the meat inside which is a cool te- uh, technique and then um, kidneys i've started keeping and so I'm, I'm really trying to, uh, utilize as much of it as I can. Uh, I, tr- I try to bring back as much bone as I can. I'll make bone broth out of that. I'll, t- I keep the ribs. A lot of people will leave the ribs out there because there's very little meat on them. Um, so my philosophy around the whole thing is to try to utilize as much as, as I can. And I've come to grips with the fact that even if I don't get it though, that, that, Gut pile is going to be pretty much annihilated by the next morning, gone completely, almost no sure. trace. So within minutes of getting your animal out of there, there's a, there's birds on it already mm-hmm. doing their job. Overnight, you're going to bring in coyotes, coyotes right wolves, away. <laughs> foxes, and, uh, and things that'll clean up the rest of that. So regardless of what you think about those particular animals as, you know, like wolves get, a, you know, they're predators and they get a bad rap sometimes with hunters. They're still part of the ecosystem. and they're I'm a wolf, important. so
0: hopefully we don't get they're that even, bad. Top yeah. Dog. Yeah. I, I no, can tell no, from the no, moment no, I got it's, here. It's, uh, it's, <laughs> Walchef actually means wolf in Bulgarian. Oh, so, yeah. There you yeah, go. go. We're, we got our little wolf pack. But...
2: Bulgarian wolf sounds yeah. pretty intimidating, actually. <laughs> the Bulgarian well, You'll
0: hear us howling in the middle of the night, that's for sure. So,
2: uh, you know, and, and and I I originally got in it for a lot of the reasons you mentioned. I was I was buying cow shares from people that I knew that were treating the animals right. I was getting my chickens from like South Carolina where they were being pastured. Where That was right. very new in the whole pastured chicken industry. And uh, one of my clients who owned, owned some land in Montana finally was like, man, you're going through all this stuff. Why don't you just come out and shoot your own? And I was like, wow, okay. I mean, I... I was getting ready to take more responsibility for my meat consumption at the time already. I wanted to be more, I wanted to know where it was coming from. And, and that's one of the more uh, powerful things. And if you're looking to appreciate your food more, having to take the actual life, that's been one of the most powerful things for me. I don't feel like stacking up fight to mention that day when I shot five does in one day and Throwing those all those animals in the back of my truck, like I had like a sense of like guilt of like, am I is this like is this right like am I doing the right thing like and and that gradually subsides you know I'll get flashbacks on the drive home it's a five hour drive home and I'm like. You know, kind of, it's hitting me that I that I just took that many lives, especially with does. I don't know if you have ever shot any any does yeah. walking up on a female. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you have the same experience. Is like totally different than walking up on a on a bull elk 100%. or 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 or, or, a, or a deer buck and it's kind of like mono a mono when it's a when it's a, when it's a male yeah. walking up on a female, the giver of life. You know that like kind of like almost you almost sense that like sensitive nature. It's just like like sorry, girl, like. You know, and from that moment on, you are, for me personally, I'm just like, I'm going to use as much of this as I can. I'm going to respect this as much as I can. And then I get home with those animals and then you've got a four and a six year old boy running out. Dad, what'd you get? (laughs) And it's like, you know, you kind of lift it open and like, oh my gosh. And they grab their knives that I let them use and they start pretending like they're cutting away at it. And then it's like all that stuff starts to go away and it's, and then it kind of comes full circle to, well, yeah yes, that sucked that, that amount of killing that I did. Um, now it's all worth it. And, um, it, it, it's, you know, some people I think shy away from emotions and sadness and stuff. Mm -hmm. But to me that, like that visceral feeling of taking that life and then the, uh, polar opposite of then supplying that food with your kids and the overjoyed feeling I have to see them eating that stuff. And they don't waste it. They don't waste a drop. You do not fuck around with dads. That dad killed that animal. Right. That like you will eat all of it. You will not slide any underneath the table <laughs> of the dog. Yeah. You'll not brush off a crumb. Right. So that now being um, in their DNA as well to really respect their food. Is now translated over to even when we eat chicken, they'll be like randomly, yeah, I just want to thank this chicken for giving its life. You know, we didn't even know that chicken, but now they're kind of carrying that over to being appreciative to the farmers that grew the kale and the truck driver that drove the kale. You know, it's kind of just snowballed into this whole other respect for food, which is… You eat the chicken tail? Uh, do I eat the yeah. chicken tail? I don't know. Do it's like I? a thing in Bulgaria. Oh, Is that like a, a like squishy yeah. kind of bony thing at the very end? I'll they pick tried, the fat right they off. I'll <laughs> <thing>. oh, not.
0: <laughs> I proposed to my wife in front of about. Thirteen of her closest friends in Bulgaria, with her mom there, her dad there. We were at this incredible restaurant, and they're like, "Oh, you have to have it!" And so, what is it? It's a, it's a chicken tail. It's the chicken's ass. Yeah. Like, oh yeah, you have to have it. I had it. I, I wasn't digging it. The chicken's asshole. It's his ass. Or is, are we talking about the same the thing? No, the fatty? tail. Yeah, it's a little.
1: It's a little and thing the where the feathers come it. off. Yeah, 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 yeah. There's. We used to do them for turkeys too. We harvest a lot of turkeys. Yeah. We fry those things up. Yeah. They're great. I loved them. I chicken's gather. ass. Don't be it. Yeah, you, giving yeah, you just kind of chew the. You can come. Fat to Bul- right call what you will. <laughs> I fucking love it. You can come. to Bulgaria. Call me. We'll We'll get you a bunch of chicken's asses. Hey, yeah.
2: you're, you're, you're 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 hanging with the Bulgarian wolf, man. Yeah, You'll right. be just fine in Bulgaria.
0: Yeah. So, did you move to Montana? before you had children or, um, cause you're running a business, correct?
2: Yes. Yeah. So the business is, um, that's why I'm here, you know, kind of just checking on things. Business is still doing great in, in Solana beach. And, um, we moved out two years ago, so they were two and four okay. and it was, it was, um, you know, it was something that had been building in me as I got to spend more time in Montana, started falling in love with it. I started really, um, considering the move and I really wanted to do that. Uh, before they got too old before it was ripping them away from a of school and you know sports and, and really at, before they had a, a chance to really formulate solid bonds with people I didn't want to rip that bandaid off so my wife and I we planned it out and we just did it and um yeah it's been, it's been great you know I'm really happy about it it was it's been an adjustment like with anything learning how to learn how to run a business from another state has been a huge learning experience um, you know, we've kind of have an inverted bell curve. We went good when we, it was awesome when we left. And then it went this way when we didn't, weren't paying attention enough. And now we're back up to here and that was a tough lesson to learn. But like, like with anything, you know, all the, all the important lessons are usually pretty tough to go through. So it's been a, it's been a wild ride for sure. And figuring out, uh, how to balance both, you know, versus, um, you know, being too far out of it and
0: kind of taking it for granted, but, uh, it's been great learning. What what is your business? Tell us the the core of, of how the business came to be.
2: Yeah, it's a sports specific training facility. So we train athletes of all ages. Um, so we've got everything from you know ten year old girls volleyball players to fifty year olds that are training. Fifty six year olds that are training for Spartan races or maybe just want to do their first five k or you know just want to get out of uh, out of bed in the morning and feel good. You know, I had a, a guy in this morning and he's like, "Man, I tweaked my back," you know, throwing my little girl around, and I'm like, "That's not right," like that. You should be able to wrestle and throw your kids around and, you know, jump on the bed and do all those things without worrying about tweaking your back. So what initially started as my passion for helping athletes stay healthy, improve their performance, kind of get that uh, elusive college scholarship has morphed into more uh, a more of. It still is taking care of these youth athletes because they, they drive themselves so hard. But a lot of that now is with our adult clients, just keeping them healthy so that and giving them the energy to come home and do those things. You know, we all have long days and it's easy to fall into that trap of hanging out on the couch and, you know, grabbing a beer and wanting just to watch the game mm-hmm. when your kid's tugging at your pant leg to like wrestle or, sure. you know, draw or do something. So, you know, um, it's become very, uh, as, as I've had kids, I've grown more in, in, involved in that role and wanting to really help, uh, you know, uh, fathers and mothers is have more energy to actually to give kids the attention they need to, to to be able to be vital to go out and throw the football, to be vital to chase and play tag. And um, and that's, you know, where we're going with the gym. And now where my private coaching uh, program is going as well. And, and then the podcast, obviously. The Raising Father's podcast is an avenue for me to take all the things I'm interested in human performance, education, anti-aging, nutrition, fitness, hunting and apply that to how as parents we can raise better uh, be- better boys that are going to once you know sooner or later grow up to be great men, great fathers, cement our legacy in our family. My my philosophy is if we can raise great men as, and, and then we can continue a legacy and we can, we can continue to like kind of reverse what's, you know, a trend now, which is a lot of men are not being raised to be great fathers, right? you know, they're, or, they're gentlemen. Like, or gentlemen or sure. gentlemen, you know, and, and there's so many things that are intertwined with being a great dad, just by me being a good husband is already, you know, demonstrating, uh, you know, what, you know, a lot to, it's to, to my, to my it's, kids. It's so. crazy how
1: lost that is. You know, mm-hmm. we, we talk about it a lot and it's, for me, one of the big things that I made sure that when I was talking to my wife, it's when I get home, there's no reason for me to sit on the couch. I need to put my phone down and go outside with my kids. And I can't take away what I was give, given in my life. My dad was able to do those things with me and my stepdad. And I was always outside. I, I think I was barefoot until I was five years old running around <laughs> just going crazy, right? <clears throat> so it's, it's so selfish of me if I come home. Yeah, I've had a long day at work, but now we go outside. I mean, the other day for two hours, we fucking got bugs. We literally caught bugs for two hours outside, but it's so important for you to be able to do those things with your kids and make sure you're creating experiences and teach them about things. And it's like, you've, I've never seen them so happy at just doing the little things in life that, that are so, I mean, it's free. It's literally free and it's creating a bond between you and your, your sons that no one can ever take away from you. Yeah. And, Looking back, you know, some of the best times of my life were with my grandpa or or my dad or my stepdad. It's All of of it was free, and it was just time spending with them, not saying that it was too important I have to take this phone call or I have to send this text message or i got to write this email. It's that my kids don't get to watch TV. They watch TV at the very end of the day for 30 minutes. But when I get home, from the time they get home and I get home and we go outside and we play, it's all about us and, and creating, you know, time for, for our family to, to grow. And I I liked what you were talking about, how the way you treat your wife, you know, is, is teaching your kids right away. Because I mean, I make sure that, you know, for me and my wife, we have to have respect for each other. And it's not, I don't, you know, some people are different and every relationship's different. And I, I respect that. But for me, I mean, I respect the shit out of my wife and what she says, and she's very educated and, you know, we have differences and we have, uh, conversations about our differences and we don't need to, to fight about it too much. And especially not in front of our kids. We make sure that, um, when we do talk, it's usually when the kids are asleep and we go in our room, we, we talk about what our differences were, but it's very important for them to see a very loving relationship because they they need to know that that's, it's okay. And it's okay for dad to be sensitive. And it's okay for dad to give you a kiss. And it's okay for dad to give you a hug. I don't need to be some tough guy. You know, mm-hmm. I need to just show you that I love you. And it's I think that gets lost a lot of times right now.
2: I agree. You know, and, I think uh, there's there's the pendulum can swing too far either way. Mm-hmm. You can be too much of a hard ass, and that's not going to work. And you can be too much of a pushover, and that's not going to work either. Right. A phrase that I've always used with when I was coaching Corey and kind of my philosophy, why I loved coaching boys. It was like 16, 17, 18-year-old boys. <laughs> right. I was like, are oh, you little shits? I know exactly what's going on here. Yeah. Right. I was a little shit like you. Yeah. Let's go. Right. All right. I'm going to help you guys. Uh, not go through the same shit I did, right? And my philosophy was, with them was, hey, I'm going to punch you in the face, but I'm going to yeah. hug you right after. Right. Like, that's the balance, you know? And it kind of trans, you know, metaphorical punches in the <laughs> sure. face and yeah. metaphorical hugs, you know? Yeah. Um, <laughs> right? and that, I you know? know. So, so and that's kind of the same philosophy that I take to parenting. Like, there's that line where we got to like, hey, whatever. There is no room for disrespecting mom.
1: Right.
2: Like, figure it out. Yeah. But then there's that also, that that, that loving side you mentioned, you know, I, I still kiss my boys on the lips when right, I drop them right. off for school. I don't know how long that's going to last, right. you know, until it's weird, probably. Right. Um, but, you know, I just kind of like showing them that affection. If you're going to be a hard ass and demand respect and, uh, and and demand and high expectations out of them, there's got I think there's got to be that uh, that other side. Yeah. And then obviously not letting them get away with, the, with the disrespect and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, it's accountability.
1: You have yeah. to make sure they're held, held accountable. My kid's not going to walk into your house and not say hello and say thank you or please <laughs> and thank you. It's never going to fucking happen. You know, we have to be on them to teach them the things we had. But guess what? When I walk into that house, I have to say those things too. And mm-hmm. if I ask my kids for something and I don't say please and thank you, yeah. I'm not setting the example. Now they need to do what I say, but I still need to say, Hey, Dalton, can you please go get this? I still need to use my yeah. manners too. I can't just say, Hey, go get this kid. Yeah. Like it, it doesn't work that way. And yeah. it's, you know, but you're just doing it by example.
2: Yeah. yeah. And, and, and I think what I really want to, you know, one of the kind of the fundamental concepts that uh, keeps me in check is uh there's a great book called brain rules for baby by john medina and there's a quote in there where he says you know kids are never going to be great listeners but they'll always be great imitators you know and that just like sticks in my head so much so i think there's a lot of uh parents out there that i really want to you know empower to you know have the video match the audio a lot of parents are saying hey you know, eat your vegetables and, you know, hey, you know, work hard and, you know, at your sport and, you know, you know, do your push-ups, and stay in shape and all this stuff. But there's a little bit of a disconnect there because what they're seeing does not match what right. they're hearing. So I think it's just a very important concept for, for you know, to us to demonstrate a he- healthy relationships and demonstrate respect. You know, it's not a good enough to say, hey, you got to introduce yourself by making eye contact and shaking a hand. And then you're like kind of ignoring people when you walk into a store or right, you, yeah. you meet somebody. Right. So there, I think that develops a major disconnect that's eventually going to be in a, uh, you know, later on in life. Well, fuck you, dad. Right. Like, yeah. you know, you're not doing that. That's the 14-year-old boy, right? Sure. Or the 15-year-old boy that's kind of tired of it. Yeah. Um, so I think that um, showing vulnerability, showing uh, love and in, in demonstrating, demonstrating, actually demonstrating what you want that child to be is, is probably the most powerful thing and a, a pretty pretty cool concept.
0: Yeah, I, I applaud you for your journey on and starting the podcast. I mean, like we said, audio is really, it's huge. I mean, we learn, people learn differently. Um, You know, one of the things I heard when I was, I'm a new father, I have a nine month old, and I heard that, you know, my son is going to learn how to love a woman by how I treat my wife. And it was one of the most powerful things that I, I, I heard through that entire book, because when you think about it, like that really does happen. You know, I never met my father uh, when I was six months old. My mother moved back to San Diego so that my grandfather could help raise me. Mm. And I've never dealt with my father issue. It's never been an issue for me because I was so blessed to be raised by my grandfather. Right. He was my father. Right. Um, but now that I every single day with my son, just seeing the impact that I can have on his life by how I treat him, but also how I treat my wife um, to have people like you going out and being an example by starting a podcast, by going and talking about things that, you know, they don't get discussed. (laughs) They're not discussed in school. They're, you know, we pick up things throughout life where, you know, my grandmother, she was Japanese and she taught me manners. She's the one that taught me how to open the door. She's the one that taught me to write the thank you letter. She's the one that taught me all those things. But if you don't talk about it, where's it going to come up? You know, Derek and I became as close as we are because of sports. Because of coaching, it was something that we wanted to raise money for local youth sports, for people that were underprivileged that couldn't get out there because we know how we bonded. I didn't even know him, you know, we're, we're in business, but we knew what sports did for us. Mm -hmm. What has sports done for you and how you've modeled your business?
2: Oh, that's a good question. You know, I think sports for me, (laughs) I was so banged up like two (laughs) knee surgeries Uh, part of the reason why I'm doing this carnivore diet thing I am right now is I mean to try and get rid of some of the arthritis that I've kind of put up with for a long time and uh, but I think you know sports teaches you to embrace the suck you know and I think that there's a misconception uh, with a lot of people that maybe didn't do high level athletics you know that that athletes are always like stoked to go to practice they're always stoked (laughs) to get in the weight room they're like like it's kind of this and deep down a lot of athletes are really you know they're doing a lot of shit that they don't want to do you know and, and certainly there's a lot of sports where guys guys are just riding along on talent and they don't have to put in a lot of extra work freaks of nature you know that can just get to the high level but you know the vast majority of guys are doing a lot of stuff they're waking up early they're going they're, they're putting in many many hours a day to hone their craft and I think just um, you know in business you're going to have to embrace the suck you know you don't have a steady paycheck you can't count on that same number every single month. You're, you're, you're for a large portion of us our work ethic is directly correlated to how much money we make you know and if we're putting in the time where things do well if we're sandbagging and we're not then you know things tend to dwindle so that correlation for me in sports has always been however hard you work that's results and so carrying that over to business it has been invaluable and i think that's probably one of the biggest strengths that i have is that uh you know that gave me the courage to quit my corporate job i know i think you said you're doing real estate uh, i
0: was doing yeah i was doing real estate for yeah. my for my my grandfather and you know we had Sam the cooking guy on the podcast and he talked about oh that's what it yeah, was. That's Sam what we're the cooking about. guy Sam told, told cooking us guy. he was just sitting in his corporate lot and yeah. he was in the parking lot. He said, "Fuck yeah. this, I can't yeah. do this." <laughs> but
2: when you know when you're sitting there and you're like stable job, good money, uncertainty, no money currently coming in, and you're juggling that, and if you can say well, I'm actually, I got a good work ethic. I bust my ass and, you know, I can I can problem solve pretty well. Then it's like, it gives you that courage to go sure. for it. But if you're sitting there and you've never been somebody that's learned how to work through adversity and shitty situations and going to practice when you're tired and lifting weights when you're tired and getting home at 830 and you still got five hours of homework in front of you, Corey, you can attest to all of this stuff. Um, then, you know, you've got that skill set. You know, you can draw upon that you've been there. You can dig your heels in and do a bunch of shit that you don't want to do to help your business just like you did it to help your team right at some point <clears throat> in your life
1: yeah that's crazy i mean i guess i didn't really put them all together but i always said that when people are you know like oh it's the weekend it's like i don't i don't know what a fucking weekend is right like i i just work like, <laughs> my my dad and my stepdad and my mom like we've always ran businesses so there's never been an off day but kind of getting back to what you're talking about with sports you know yeah we would i mean at kansas state we were working out at, at five in the morning, five, six in the morning. And then it's, we go to school and then we would have study hall. Then we'd have weights. Then we have practice. Then we have, have our dinner. Then we go back to study hall and from five to eight o'clock, you're basically, they have you by the dick and that you, you do whatever they say you're going to do. Yeah. So you, somebody had they, you by the dick. Oh yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it was, uh, it was it was, it was uh, a, <laughs> I wasn't tamed easily, <laughs> I'll say that. But, um, you know, they just – you learn, you know, so much from those times. And you learn – it's like – I guess I just never really put it together, but it's those long days Why the they're, they're – i'm not gonna say they're easy for me but it's like why i just don't care because it's fucking all i really know yeah it's just you grind you know we we tease about it but it's like i don't i don't stop when i'm tired i stop when i'm finished sure you know it's just what what happens and that's uh in business and i think that's why sean and i get so get along so well because you know we'll be the first ones in and then all of a sudden everyone's gone and it's just us two again we're like oh shit like here we are just we just continue to go and it's it's a positive thing and it's positive for your kids to see that. And, but, uh, let's, uh, let's touch a little bit on something you mentioned, uh, your carnivore diet.
0: Let's, <laughs> let's, let's
1: dive into that. Cause I'm really, really excited to hear about this because I've been doing my intermittent fasting and doing a high, fi- high fat, medium protein, low carb diet. But you're, you're saying this uh, carnivore diet, it's a thing.
2: It's a thing. It's a, it's, 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 it's been cult status for quite a while. I mean, you start looking into it and there's been, there's been people that have been doing it for decades. I mean, living off just meat and there's all kinds of Facebook groups. There's like a zero carb uh, is one of them. And I just kind of joined up to see what was going on there. You have to
1: supplement a lot of stuff. Do you? No. Really?
2: No. And, uh, so for me, someone that's been in this industry for so long, um, taking the guesswork out of nutrition has been really like liberating because if you followed, so the science, nutritional sciences, it's just like, you're just getting like, you're. it's like arrows sticking you in the back left and right. You're <laughs> right. just like, you're just like, oh, I'm going to recommend quinoa to everybody. Stab in the back. Oh shit, quinoa's got a lot of lectins in it. Can't do that anymore. Right. Oh, here's soy milk. No, raw milk. No, goat milk. It's just like, <laughs> <That's> so. Actually, <laughs> sounds exactly how it's been going. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so, you know, I get, you know, I feel like this massive flip-flopper of just always like conflicting information. and uh, And so what's really cool now is, this whole carnivore diet thing is basically zero carbs, pretty much zero. You know, I haven't had – I've had about the equivalent of 20 grams of carbs in like 18 days, which is like wow. a cup of blueberries. Wow. And I feel awesome. So, that's a, that's a, that's a, that's a, that's a trip in itself.
1: What were you doing before that?
2: Uh, I was messing with keto. Okay. And So you um, were
1: doing low carb then. Now you went to no carb.
2: Now I went to no carb. It was a pretty, and, and I feel much better on this than I did on keto. I, I always felt like I wanted more protein on keto, which right. is you know about keto, is like low to moderate, so a lot of low to moderate protein. So
1: it's a counterintuitive to the ketogenic.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because uh, you know, the whole gluconeogenesis thing. You don't right. want to eat too much protein that will convert over to sugars in your body and stuff like that. But the carnivore diet's just like don't worry about anything. Just eat meat and, you know, you're going to be in and, and that eat meat. Their, their motto is eat meat when hungry, drink water when thirsty. Like, and that's basically the gist of it. Now I supplement. I do, uh, I do some eggs. I do some bacon. I do, uh, I do uh, a little bit of coffee. I do some teas sometimes. I, I still have caffeine, uh, but I'm, I'm all dairies out. I haven't had a vegetable in, in 18 days. You know, I haven't had a fruit in, in just as long. Um, so the whole basis of it is that, you know, if there's one thing that humans have evolved to digest and extract nutrients from, it's meat. You know, um, if, if you're any European ancestry, you probably had nine months of nothing growing, a short season of berries, but you were primarily living off of, uh, you know, animals. Right. And, and, uh, even as early as, um, I was just reading, um, Stephen Renella's American Buffalo book. I fucking love him. Yeah. He's great. And he's talking about how, you know, when, when white, Europeans came to, you know, try to civilize Indians, they tried to teach them agriculture. And, you know, the Indians were basically like double FUs, yeah. like... We got the buffalo. Like we don't need you (laughs) or your corn or your, your, those things that taste funny, like, and they keep coming out in our shit, you know, like we're used to like eating just buffalo. It's got everything we need. And we started thinking about how many babies were conceived off of only buffalo meat and how many, it's just kind of like, I just started thinking, I'm like, I'm just going to give this a shot because I'm in, in tune with my body. I have this arthritis stuff and I think anybody with a chronic condition will be very in tune with, is the chronic condition getting better or Mm -hmm. is it getting worse? So I started out as an experiment, was blown away about my, how fast I was recovering from workouts. I was like the dude that would be sore, like two weeks later from a heavy squat workout. Right. And now I can literally feel it going away during the second day. Like literally as I'm going on the day. How's your energy level? My is fine, yeah. you know, actually more cognitive energy, I would say. Wow. Um, sometimes I struggle with a double day of a hard workout in the morning and then jujitsu hour and a half. I'll get tired, but I, I'm pretty sure I'd get tired from that anyways, right. you know, yeah. Um so it started out as a little experiment. There's a guy named Sean Baker. He's a former, or he's a, he's an orthopedic surgeon. He actually, actually had his license revoked, but um, he's still working on getting that back. But he's kind of making the rounds, and he's a fan. Uh, he's a, he's kind of the face of the whole thing, and he's doing a lot of podcasts, and he's just starting to make sense to me. And then, you know, when I start thinking about it, and I could go into the store now, and I just, like, bypass all of the confusing shit on the <laughs> show store <laughs> shelves. Yeah. And I'm like, you know, like... We're the first probably people in our ancestral history to ever try quinoa, you know, but we're supposed to believe this is like a healthy food for our body, even though it's like, what the hell is this shit? We've never been exposed to it in our life. So coming from that DNA perspective of what is our DNA designed to eat and, you know, eating more of that. And then what is our DNA never seen before and probably not designed to eat and getting rid of that. So I'm seeing my inflammation levels like because I get it, I have thumb, elbow, shoulders, knees. Like, it's not like oh I have one bad knee and that's what hurts. It's kind of like when you start to feel it in your like, you know, pinky finger, you know, you start to know that, you know, it's more systemic than that. So uh, my congestion, breathing much better, I'm sleeping great, uh, just overall better. I'm recovering great from workouts. And today was the actual only piece of objective evidence that this is doing good because I last tested my body fat about three months ago. And it was 10.2%. And then I uh, measured it yesterday in the same machine at my gym. And it was 87 And I put wow. on a couple pounds of muscle. And I've noticed I've just gotten stronger. Mm-hmm. And uh, i have actually better. 41 years old. And I'm starting to put on muscle from doing the same activities that I was before. Right. So a lot of things are stacking up to be you know pretty beneficial for me. My goal is to – I mean, I'm eating maybe six or seven things right now. I'm having like coffee, tea, ghee, and then meat. Yeah. Um that's pretty much shoot. That's pretty much easy. if you if you lump meat on one category. Mm-hmm. I'm doing shrimp and cod and all kinds of things. But are
1: you saying are you doing more light meat? Or are you doing red meat? What's what's your uh, daily intake?
2: Yeah. So as a hunter, you know, I, I loaded up my plate one day with just a bunch of venison, and mm-hmm. I made myself sick because <laughs> it's so lean. Like right. you don't have that mechanism to like, hey, dude, stop eating that fat. Whereas like if I sit down with the ribeye. You know when you eat too much prime rib or ribeye, you start yeah. to like look at that huge chunk of fat, and you're like, "All right, dude, that's yeah. like enough." But with the lean meat, I just kept going, made myself sick. So I've learned to mix the the lean meat with ghee, um, which is basically butter with all mm-hmm. the proteins removed. And uh, so that's an awesome. That's just like that's just like eating you know meat covered in butter. Right. So that satiates me really good. So I'm doing you know I'll, I'll, lots of bacon. I'll do duck eggs because I uh, through this whole experiment. I'm starting to realize which foods trigger pain in my knees and congestion so i didn't have eggs for like a week and then they sounded really good so i had like three eggs immediate congestion my is knee pain right? my knee pain woke me up that night what kind of eggs these were chicken eggs okay but duck pasteurized these name? were just pastured chicken pasture. eggs yeah 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 and uh but then duck eggs do not so it's been a really cool tool to eliminate a lot of foods it's easy actually to do your cravings go away it's, it's kind of a trip, man. It's because uh, I've done a lot of diets in the past, but I've never felt like I had good willpower over wanting to eat the ice cream in the fridge. Yeah, you know, yeah. that's and this is the first time where I'm like watching my kids eat ice cream. I'm watching them eat chocolate and they're going and I'm just like, yeah, it looks good. But, I, you know, I kind of want to stick with this and see how good I can feel. Then I'll start adding back in stuff one at a time. So the true power in this, I really feel like is as an elimination diet to really find out what my body responds well to.
1: That's incredibly smart. I mean, I'm actually going to think about doing it. Just really kind of being hyper-focused on what you're putting into your body and what triggers certain things. Mm -hmm. And like I said, I've, lost about 70 pounds now. I'm going for about 70 more, but I've never been so in tune with what, what's going on in my body, what I'm putting in and, mm-hmm. you know, figuring out your gut microbiome. And <clears throat> I never realized how, how important it is to have good gut health mm-hmm. and uh, to make sure you're, you're breaking everything down the right way. And, you know, I'm, I'm finding out little things that are really, really, uh, my body's a lot more sensitive to than I understood, you know. So it's, uh will be good for me to maybe do that.
2: Well, there's all kinds of like gut protocols. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you can use like uh, oregano extract. You can use uh, certain probiotics that are designed to go in and kill the bad bacteria but leave the good bacteria. You can take, you know, stuff that's supposed to feed the good bacteria, you know, so they can overrun the bad bacteria. Well, what's kind of, you know, bad bacteria loves carbs, bad bacteria loves sugar. So when you go on this, um, there's a guy named Ryan Muncy and he's got a podcast called the better human project. And he did this for 30 days. He actually did a gut, uh, biome test before and after. And, uh, cause that's what he was concerned about. Um, mm-hmm. and by the end of the 30 days, he had zero bad bacteria. You're not really? feeding, you're not feeding those bad those bacteria, those carbs and sugars. Well, so, those carbs and sugar. so talk about making something like really, really complicated to like these protocols of putting questionable substances in your body to kill stuff. Mm -hmm. Now you're just doing meat and you just essentially starving them out, which is a pretty you know, and this is all anecdotal evidence at this point. It's all testimonials and people talking about it. So, you know, there's no hardcore studies on it. But at this point, I'm a little jaded on the studies and the research when you've got multiple hands you know funding these studies oh, so there's hands
1: and back pockets all the, over the place it's I mean.
2: it's it's um the you know paying attention to studies you know, where this substance did this to a cell in a dish and that gets like blown out of proportion. All of a sudden that supplements the
0: hottest thing. It's,
2: right. it's, it's lots of so many twists and turns well, the, and the it's best, really simplifies the best
0: part about the internet is it's eliminated that middleman. So now no matter what your niche is, you can research yourself. <laughs> yeah. Like you can really find a podcast about yeah. something that you're passionate sure. about and you don't have to rely on an industry standard or some sort of media publication. You can just go and try it out and test it.
2: And and someone like me that can just come on a medium like
0: this or like with my Facebook lives
2: and just start talking about stuff yeah. that's working for me. I think it's probably the it, it's it's more important than the research at this point sure. to hear what's working for people. Like I don't give a shit anymore about uh, as much yeah. about like some research, some that that's happened over the course of 20 years with 20,000 people that filled out a questionnaire. What like I want to hear about is the people that are all getting uh, symptoms of arthritis they're disappearing that's getting rid of their eczema and getting rid of their psoriasis and getting rid of all these chronic conditions uh, these are real people that have no money to make. I'm not making any money for today sure. talking about it. No. I'm just talking about something that works for me. If people really get together and, you know, the the bigwigs in the nutrition that are the, the, the influences in the nutrition industry start making a bigger deal over what's working for people versus what the research is telling us, I think we'll actually start to, like, make some headway on what is the ultimate diet for human yeah. beings. You know, we don't, don't, we don't we want it it.
0: to get to the point where it's a tragedy, you know, to tell us about your wife. I, I heard about her story with the, with diabetes with yeah, her father. Sure, uh, sure. My grandfather had diabetes and those are things that as I age and now that I'm a father, I need to start taking care of myself. And yeah. a compliment to Derek, you know, he's committed to his program and watching him eat well and work out. You know, it's inspirational yeah. because I've watched it happen. I mean, literally I go back through our pod just literally in the last year going through our podcast with pictures and I mean, he's, he's disappearing as a man, but he's getting stronger, (laughs) you know, he's getting stronger and he's inspirational to me. Yeah. Yeah. Tell us about the, uh,
2: yeah. So, you know, this is obviously very big, you know, motivator in our family, especially for my wife, you know, you know, the, and the diabetes thing and, you know, for her reflecting now, you know, she, she really looks back and she, she would have done anything to have a father that was vital and worked out and you know, ate well and took care of himself. And, um, you know, it just really drives home the impact that our, our actions have, you know, as, as parents, because his actions were, you know, that of not exercising, not taking care of himself. He died way too young from complications from diabetes. And, um, you know, so it's really been something for us to, you know, I think it's important to find the lessons in every situation. And, and that lesson is that, you know, we are telling our kids what to do and we are influencing them with every single action we make. And you brought up if you don't, you know, if you don't say please and you, you know, you got to, we got to treat them how, how we, you know, we got to demonstrate the behavior for them to really, really pick it up. Right. And so, um, you know, fortunately, Crystal was just a bazzy kid that needed to burn off energy and just (laughs) she, she was going to do athletics no matter what, you know, she, so she, she was very driven to do that. Um, but looking back, you know, I think if she, there was one thing that she really, really wished it would, it would be that her, her dad took care, better care of himself. And so, um, it's pretty powerful. You know, it keeps you, keeps you on the on the straight and narrow a little bit more um, when you, you realize that um, you know that uh, that impact that you could eventually have on your kids uh, later on in life just by simply how you're how you're living your life so um, we're fortunate that uh, that we have been very health conscious uh, my parents, were like I was the ki- I was the kid that like would get so much shit from my friends cuz I would call them I'd be like drunk and not want to go home we would be like hey I'm going to spend the night over at Kevin's house and they'd be like nope come home and take your vitamins I'm like oh, my vitamins and they'd be like Jackson you got to go home and take your vitamins again I was like Oh, that's like the worst. And then, uh, you know, I think those habits, like eventually I went to college and I partied and I did all the wrong things. And, but eventually I came back to that, you know, that was something that was instilled in me to at least take my vitamins. And we always had a salad and, you know, so, you know, um, so I think just just drawing upon our, uh, experiences as kids, um, we can help to really kind of make, you know, improve on what we did, what our parents did, you know, they did the best they knew how we're doing the best we know how, and hopefully we can foster a where we just are constantly, you know, preaching, let's all just keep getting better and being able to admit when you're wrong is a big part of that as a parent. You know, I think that's very important too. Hey buddy, like you know, I know I know I, I, know I chewed your ass out for not like starting the dishwasher like you're supposed to. And then I realized the dishwasher was on.
1: Right.
2: Yeah. <laughs> I'm really sorry about it. I was just paused for a second. Like I'm really sorry about that. I screwed up. You humility. know
1: you have to have humility about yeah. yourself. You can't take yourself too serious. Yeah. We talk about it with my wife all the time. It, it's it's You know, you have to have to do those things because you're you're really instilling it in your kid to let you know it's okay to say you're sorry when you're when you're wrong, and it's okay to accept you know responsibility for those things. And again, it just goes back to if they see you doing it and taking ownership of who you are, they're going to own who they are too. You know, we uh, we have to make sure that we're we're definitely that. You know, person that they they see doing it day in and day out because that's they're they're around us all the time. Do your kids get to see you uh, harvest everything, all the the animals?
2: Well, my son sat with me in the last deer that I shot of last season. My six year old, so he came with me. Um, Man, he he runs hot, so he was like warmer than (laughs) I was. He was just like hanging out. It was like eighteen degrees. I'm freezing my ass off. What
1: were you What were you shooting?
2: Uh, just white doe tags, you know, white tail. Uh, oh, 30 out of six.
1: Well, that's a big gun. Yeah, for... yeah,
2: yeah, So that's kind of – I'm under the philosophy. I know there's a lot of hunters out there that love to have their, like, 243 for their, you know, small deer. And then their 300, you know, for for bigger their elk and stuff. short mags. Stuff, and, short yeah, mags. And yeah. I'm more under the philosophy. I have one gun, uh, and I want to get – and I like being good with that one gun. Mm-hmm. And so I might lose a little uh, meat on a – on a, on a smaller animal, but, but I don't, I don't lose animals. Out, right? I don't lose animals. I've never lost an animal and I don't want to start. So I'd prefer to go overpower uh-huh. versus, you know, some segments of hunters are kind of like, it's almost like brag bragging. Oh, I took down a, an elk with a two twenty three or a right. smaller rifle. It's like, you know, you're just increasing the chances that you lose an animal right. or you wound an animal. So, so I'm just, just more like, and, yep. Yeah. Set it down, set it down fast, cause a lot of trauma it's over quick um and that's a much better feeling than watching an animal limp around or having to chase a blood trail for a long time and knowing
1: something's out there suffering yeah we did that with uh my hunting partner I had to make him get a 338 for the moose and it's yeah. like he's so underpowered and he didn't care and I'm like you got to care you got to care and you got to for for multiple reasons but you know you don't want to wound the animal and have him walking around with a bum shoulder or you you want to be able to take him out and take them out quick yeah. and just the more humane way to to get it done it's you don't want him to be sitting there suffering so um he's a smaller guy so him shooting the 338 is pretty exciting to watch I, <laughs> I, I get a pretty uh pretty good chuckle out of it but broken he's like, shoulder he's like i had, I had to sight this in. i got a new turret and i was fucking there's seven rounds that's all i had in me because my shoulder hurt so bad I'm like well, bring it over here I'll, I'll sight it in for you and <laughs> tell you us about your one. tell us about your coaching
2: um, yeah. So that's something that, um, you know, I really, I, I just got off the ground and it's basically a uh, helping, uh, helping fathers, you know, it's, it's, it's strictly Is for it you fathers. personally. Yeah. So yep, yep. In and
0: Montana as well as here.
2: Yeah, so it's it's all over it's all over Voxer, which is like a walkie-talkie app. So okay. you can just it's it's an automatic voice message basically. So um they'll just they'll just text me, "Hey man, like I'm having trouble with this, this, this or this." And I have 24 hours to respond to that. That's my that's my that's my agreement. And um and we just, you know, every now and then we'll actually hop on the phone to go over stuff. But we just kind of go back and forth and there's no real like set structure to it. It's everyone's so different, but it's basically for helping fathers. Uh, get get their health in check. Get more a little bit more of a life work work life balance going. So I make them do a lot of uncomfortable shit that they don't want to do. Sure. Um And then have them sign up for a race. I might have them sign up for the local uh, CrossFit gym, or I might have them sign up for the local jujitsu gym. Um, but it's all about getting them out of their comfort zone because I'm a firm believer that you know uh, that's the only way to grow is by getting yourself um, uncomfortable so I just work with them one-on-one and it's a great situation because I don't really have to be anywhere at any time it's virtual, it's virtual we and, love it's, um, and guys are just different like my yeah. wife does the exact same thing and they'll like get on the phone and they're talking <laughs> and I'm like dude just leave me a message I'll leave you a message <laughs> and then you leave me another one we don't really you know every now and then it does help to kind of get on the phone and stuff but it's really cool it's um because I get Get to, I know that I am actually helping a kid more than I'm helping. Uh, more than I'm actually helping a dad you know it's actually I'm helping both but the the real rub for me is knowing that there's a, a little boy or a, or a little girl that's getting more out of their father that's 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 the most important thing for me meanwhile you know that father is also getting something but it's almost like I'm uh, to be honest I'm like really the the thing for me is knowing that a, a little boy or a little girl out there is getting that like That attention and that love that they oftentimes goes, well, it gets pushed a little bit to the side and, and very virtuous um you know uh adventures you know they're, they're putting food on the table they're doing a lot of great things it's not like but there's just a there's just an off balance there and they, they just kind of need someone to give them some some tough love give them some direction make them do a bunch of shit that they don't want to do you know tell them hey you know to stop you know stop believing your own bullshit let's just let's yeah. just, let's just <laughs> or a friend told me let's just say what we're not saying here you know yeah. let's let's get this out so Um, it's been really cool because, um, you know, a lot of guys out there are just uh, way out of balance with their health and their business. So bringing that more back to center and having more, more family, more health, more fitness so that we can ultimately, ultimately achieve what I think is the best thing is which they're living the life of who eventually they want their kids to be. No dad wants to their kid to grow up to be a workaholic and you know, no, no, no dad or mom wants their kid to grow up to be, you know, really unhealthy and and taking a lot of medications and and such like that. So just really like, you know, spinning it around and on them and and, and being like, Hey man, this is, this is your parenting. Number one job is to exhibit the behavior that you want your kid to grow up to be. If you're, if you're treating your, your wife like shit, you want that you want you want your son to do grow up and, and do that as well. And so, um, you know, that's what I mean by kind of the the, the tough conversations where it's like very eye opening for people. And I don't want this to come off like I've got it all like figured out, you know, it's it's um, but uh, it's something that I, I've worked hard to really get good at being a father. And like a large portion of my reading goes into that. And a lot of people I really resonate with are also good fathers. All my friends now are like great fathers. It's who I just gravitate towards. And it's just something I'm very passionate about. And with my background and everything that I'm doing, and now that I actually have kids and I'm learning how to stay fit and eat well and balance a work life situation, I've got like a, a unique perspective on it fix the mindset up a little bit, get them doing a bunch of shit that they don't want to do. And then we can start to talk about like more advanced concepts, but it's all, it's a lot of mindset stuff where I think everyone, everyone likes comfort, right? We like to be comfortable and it's like, get yourself out of that comfort zone. Like I'm, I'm booking people.
0: people Don't like to wake up at 4am.
2: no, no, people don't. and uh, We stress know. it
1: all the time. It's like you have to figure out how to find comfort in being uncomfortable. Right. Because that's where your growth is going to come. Yeah. That's where you're going to grow the most. I mean, yeah. I was talking to my, my trainer today about it. I'm like, I I come to the gym to work out with him because I can't push myself as hard during that, that type of cardio stuff. And I'm like, I find comfort in knowing that I'm going to get my fucking ass whooped today. Like, yeah. I'm comfortable doing Like, let's go. Like, what, what do you want to do to me today? I'm I'm ready to, I, you got an hour and a half go, like get me, you know, but it's like, you have to embrace that process and you have to be very, you know, vulnerable and saying, okay, like, this is what it is. And yeah. I have, I'm, I'm comfortable with you uh, whooping my ass for a complete hour and a half. So yeah. go for it. So,
2: well, I applaud you for recognizing where you need help. Right. A lot, of, a lot of males are the, the pride is an issue and <clears> they don't want to reach out for help. I, for me personally, CrossFit is my workout of choice because all I have to do is sh- show up. They're going to kick my ass and I'm going to walk out of there every single time I say to myself, I wouldn't have pushed myself that hard on my own. Totally. I'm a gym owner. So I had to suck up some ego. Sure. And it was like, okay, I have to farm out this responsibility to somebody else because I'm just walking in the gym and I'm just doing laps and everything looks boring and I don't want to be here. I've got to, I've got to farm this out to somebody else. And, um, you know, and, and fortunately for me, I can, you know, take care of my body. I know a little bit of the slant on CrossFit that it injures people, but I found a great gym and I have, you know, I, I I know the industry enough to stay away from things that could potentially hurt me. But, um, so it's important, I think for whether it's psychological coaching, whether it's, you know, we all, we all could use mentors, you know, it's fastest way from coach for, from point A to point B is, is a good coach mentor. So um, Um, I highly recommend setting funds aside for hiring a personal trainer, uh, hiring a nutritionist. If your main issue is time and you don't have time to cook, hire a private chef. Like these are not dollars that are going to waste if it's improving your health.
1: Yeah, what we found for me was I was actually at a a Target and I um, was in an aisle and this guy said, Hey, Derek, what's up? And I'm like, hey. And it was my buddy that I wrestled with in high school. And we were like the only two, like, you know, the state guys that we'd always go to state together. So and he was actually my wrestling partner. He's like, Jesus Christ, you got fat. I'm like, Yeah. Well, it's, it's, uh, Jesus you know, Christ has nothing to do with it. Right. Yeah, you're 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 right. And he's like, uh, he's like, I own the gym, man. You got to come in and check it out. And I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, for sure. And then it was always, I'm a, I'm a Monday starter right everything's on monday i'm gonna start eating better and i'm gonna oh, go to right, the gym right, right, like right, right. everything's just like until next monday and it was like a week a week went by and i didn't go in and then i called him it was on a thursday or wednesday wednesday night when am i call be there in the morning and i had to do that because it was more of a mindset for me right i had to just get myself in there and be submissive because again you have this ego i'm a professional athlete i played in the nfl i did all these things it's you know i know how to work out but I couldn't get myself to work out, yeah. right? So I knew I can write a book on nutrition. I can do a lot of things, but I just couldn't do it for myself. I needed help. So I went to him and uh, did some PTs for a little while. And then we found classes. And I'm like, it was my goal to be able to go through these classes and be like the leader of the class and like helping other people and yeah. pushing other people and being the, the person. I remember when I went there, there's a guy named Scott. And I'm like, I can't wait till I'm pushing myself as hard as Scott. Yeah. Now me and Scott are workout partners. Sure. Like we go and we just like push each other harder. So hard that, like again, it's like I couldn't push myself that hard today. I'm just grateful, and it's in a class and but you have to be very submissive to and knowing what what's uh what's gonna help you you know and it's, it's okay it's not a it's not a bad thing. it's just sometimes you need that jump start
2: well it's all it's like that old like you know the dad that won't ask directions when he's lost you know? <laughs> right. it's right. like dude suck it up and ask the, right. the street vendor right. where the hell you are, and you know in life is the same way, you know a lot of these coaches they've got maps for us. Um, whatever it might be for you to just, you know, to, to help you find your way, whatever it might be. And it's, uh, it can be tough to ask for help. I'm, my wife is even more stubborn than I am about the whole, like, I'm like, babe, trust me, you're going to like this CrossFit stuff. Like, right. you know, it's only a matter of time. She's like, no, I can't do it. We have a gym. I know how to work out. I'm like, okay, okay. Eventually of course she tried it and she likes it because it's, a little bit competitive. It's good for athletes that kind of like thrive off of a community. And I mean, you you know, you're constantly encouraging your teammates through Mm -hmm. sports and it's very similar. And, you know, there's, and I'm not, you know, plugging CrossFit by any means. Uh, you know, everyone's got to do what's good for them, but there's a lot of, lots of, you know, group, you know, community, uh, group, group exercising. I think that community thing
0: is huge. It's the accountability side. Accountability. That's my biggest problem is I'm not, I'm, I put myself at the end and I need to put myself at the front. Sure. And if I was accountable to a group, of people, then I would probably do a better job working out.
1: Yeah, see, so you got to come start working out with me. I do. I tell I, you all the I do. The time. I do. <laughs> come with me.
2: With- well, we all you know you, you hire out you hire out your weaknesses at the at the at the store here. You yeah. know, got to hire out your weaknesses you in life too. You know, you know, you know that you're struggling to to motivate to go to actually get a decent workout at the gym. Hire a trainer. Right. Go to a go to a, a, a group class. You know, there's right. lots of them now. Whether it's spin class or hire
0: you, and you can yell at me
2: through through, <laughs> <That's right. laughs> through the app. Well, <laughs> what's, what's the app? Voxer. Voxer. V o x e r.
0: So people can we're, they go on to Jackson Strength to. Sign up or, or how, yeah. how do they get Yeah, involved?
2: so they, they can reach me through jacksonstrength.com. We have a contact form on, on there. Mm-hmm. And then um, my personal website is still under construction. So, But you can also always, Instagram is a great place. You can instant message me, Curtis R. Jackson. Um, and then also Facebook, I'm a little harder to find because there's a lot of Curtis Jacksons out no, there. No,
0: I thought we had 50 Cent coming <laughs> on
2: today. But it, I was I was laughing because you're like, this is episode For and I'm 50. 50 like, 50 Cent. I'm like, should I tell them that I, tell I, him I have I'm the same <laughs> Same as 50 cent or should we just try to bury that for, for, for a lot longer?
0: So. That's fantastic. Yeah. it's uh, For us, it's just we can't thank you enough for coming down, for sending down this venison. It's just It's been such a badass thing for us to be able to be on this podcasting journey, for you to do what you're about to do, which is start spreading the podcast, um, raising fathers. It's something that Derek and I are really excited because the world is a smaller place with audio and we've had people that have listened to this show. I can't believe that it's actually happening, but mm-hmm. all over the world in Australia and Canada and Philadelphia, and they've interacted with us because they want to build their barbecue business or, you know, something we said, or somehow they found us on the internet and it really doesn't matter. We encourage people that to start understanding that social media it's not subjective. You know, people have perceptions of what Facebook is or what Instagram is or what Twitter is. Really, all it is is the Internet. And, you know, you have the power to find things that you love and you have the power to find podcasts that you admire, people you admire, coaches you admire. Uh, and the access to information is so readily available and the people that have tuned into this podcast and interacted with Derek and I, you know, sent us a direct message asking about catering. How do they get involved with, you know, putting on a barbecue contest, those things, they mean the world to us. Mm -hmm. And, you know, for us, Derek, uh, you know, we, we started this journey 10, 10 years ago, almost. And to think that we're sitting here, you know, having a conversation behind the smoke uh, with somebody that we admire that, you know, I did a deep dive, before you came. But now I consider you a brother. You know, I consider if I'm in Montana, you better, you better believe I'm going to find you.
2: I don't have a choice. (laughs) If you come all the way to Montana, like I have to accept you you know, Montana, a five hour drive is like nothing, you know, but, um, I mean, you know, I think, and you mentioned there's an automatic connection when you're uh, with like-minded people. Uh, your emphasis on on family and taking accountability as a father, and listening to some of your guys' podcasts and hearing you talk about collaboration versus competition in business. And you mentioned like the rising movement of San Diego barbecue. You know, mm-hmm. you're probably, you know, I don't know where you guys are on that on that list, but I would imagine that San Diego barbecue is starting to get a lot more respect in the in the country and maybe sure. in the world because of what you guys are doing. That that whole you know, high tide rises all boats, yep. or whatever the the saying goes. You know, and. You know, I think a lot of, especially in my industry, you see a lot of competition. We talked about that earlier where it's like you don't want to see the gym pop up and across the street and you don't want the the, 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 the trainer across town to be doing well. But if, if, if San Diego became known as the sports specific training capital of the world, that's all going to help us out a lot. So um, that whole collaboration versus competition, I think that's a very long term business model that's very successful way to look at it and the short term, you know, kind of like, oh, I need to grab all the cl- clients or i need to proclaim that i'm the best at this uh you know when i just opened my doors Mm -hmm. you know type of style that you're talking about um you know so i just really want to i admire you guys for that and 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 recognize in your community as a whole i just thought it's so cool that at these barbecue competitions that you know somebody going to the finals doesn't have a pork shoulder and the guy he's competing within the finals has an extra one it's like here dude you know here's here's a tool that you need to fix your barbecue whatever it is it's just that that stuff really really i think if there was more of that if there is like if that competition or that collaboration was in every industry i think uh, as a whole the, the world would be a much better place so i applaud you guys thank for being, you very being, much. being a
0: part of that yeah i mean it means the world to us we have you know hannes he is this industry icon in san diego carnita snack shack and just recently they announced that they're opening up a barbecue restaurant in san carlos which is east county right in our hood and mm-hmm. derek and i can't be happier to have him out here because of his knowledge, mm-hmm. um, and what he's been able to do for San that. Diego restaurants. And he's going to come on the podcast and share his story, yeah. you know, and for us, we would, without the podcast, we wouldn't have the time to sit down with somebody like that, that we respect and really just shoot the shit, yeah. you know, shoot the shit, share secrets, um, share our vulnerabilities. Cause I'm not fucking perfect by any means. Yeah.
1: Never yeah. have been, never will. No,
0: that's for sure. <laughs> it's all good. But uh, we do want to give a social shout out to uh, at Jim underscore bones underscore BBQ at a Rancho Cucamonga. So we encourage people to tag us at BBQ War Stories uh, in their Instagram photos, whether it's a sexy photo or just a photo of the behind the smoke. Uh, this guy's been. Grinding it out, building his catering company up in Rancho Cucamonga, he's been putting out some really badass videos. So, cheers to you! You got a behind the smoke mug coming your way, and um, we want to thank you, Curtis. Please interact with Curtis on social. Um, check out his web uh, his website as well as uh, we'll let you know when his podcast drops because we want you. We want to check that out as well.
1: Yeah, thanks yeah. so much. It was actually great to get another hunter on here. <laughs> I haven't had very many, so it was cool to share the stories.
2: Yeah, I'd love to come back anytime.
0: It was cool. a blast. Awesome. Hey guys, this is Sean and Derek, and we just really want to thank you for listening to the podcast. It means the world to us. We'd like you to go check out behindthesmokemedia.com. That's our website where we have barbecue resources for you to help build your barbecue business. Uh, We also have events listed, so anything that's happening in the West Coast barbecue movement, uh, anything that's going on, we want you to go check that out so you can learn more and get involved.